0: Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a sure wonder.
1: What is up, everybody? It is actually Friday. We're recording this with a buddy, someone who I have watched grow super fast um, and one of the hardest working people that I know someone who um, is part of GDU, someone who supported our events and gone to our events, uh, someone who also um, has hired us for his marketing. And um, I would like to take a small bit of credit for his growth, but I can't take much because this dude is an absolute freaking hustler. And if you are in his area, you might as well probably try to reach out now to sell your business to him
2: because he's (laughs) going to eat you alive. Uh, Blake Furry. Hey, and funny on that note, we've actually had two different companies in the last month reach out wanting us to buy them. (laughs) Boom. There you go. See, (laughs) podcast should come
1: out sooner. Uh, I think there's a lot of that going on. Um, I want to get right into it. We're going to try and keep this episode short you're a great personality i think you're like the easiest guy to like in the world however i gotta know your hustle your game how hard you work probably pisses some people off i imagine uh so we're gonna start with the beginnings humble beginnings okay can you share with us the origin story of furry door like what inspired you to enter the garage door industry and what were some unexpected challenges you faced in the early days
2: yeah. Um, so I had this whole like almost presentation typed out on my computer, and I'm not even going to go off of it. I'm just going to kind of wing it. Wing uh, it. So it was 20, 2016. I was selling cars um, for a local dealership here. I uh, really enjoyed what I was doing and things like that. But um, being new in the car industry, as you know, you really have to work and it takes time to build your clientele up. And so, you know, I was getting a sale here, sale there type of thing and wasn't uh, wasn't able to pay the bills the best I thought I was able to. My wife was uh, in, nur- in nursing school and she had a part-time job working at a pharmacy. And she's one of those people that she really has to uh, focus and study and, you know, grind to keep good grades. She gets good grades, but it takes a lot. And so her and I had a kind of conversation one night and uh, I said, you quit your job, I will take a factory job that has guaranteed pay, guaranteed hour, um, and lo and behold, that factory was CHI. Um, you know, it's, mm. where I'm at, CHI is about a 20, maybe 20 or a little less drive from my shop, um, is the plan. And so I went to work there while she finished up her, um, her RN degree in nursing school. And she graduated, got a job at the hospital, and I was still working at the factory my, uh, my father kind of came to me, he said, Blake, uh, is this what you is this what you anticipate on doing for the rest of your life? And I said, I I don't know, I was kind of at a lost period where um, I was going through a lot of personal, you know, I wouldn't kind of substance issues, drinking issues. I was a young kid, and I just didn't really have my mind on right. I, I wasn't determined and focused. My family has been self employed since the 40s. I mean, you know, started out with farming and um, you know, ever since then, they've owned motorcycle dealerships, um, warehouse distribution, trucking companies. Um, I mean, you name it. Um, so my, my dad kind of looked at me like, are you going to work for someone else? Or are you going to follow in the family footsteps? He actually brought to me a opportunity, uh, to join a franchise with a garage door company out of Chicago. Um, I won't name the name because the separation there kind of ended. Uh, suck. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> It kind of ended with some uh, with some legal legal things there, and it wasn't just me; it was me and about twelve other franchises actually uh, filed a class action and got out of the contracts. But uh, essentially, I joined in 2017. You know, um, signed up with the franchise. They uh, gave me very minimal training. I I think I helped out on two or three residential repairs, uh, a couple days in Chicago to do some software training and such. Other than that, it was kind of like uh, figured out to my child. <laughs> And so uh,
1: there starts the solo panure adventure.
2: Yes. Um, so about two or two and a half years I was with them. I just uh, I was just piecing and patching things together on the business side. You know, I, I didn't know what I was doing in the garages necessarily either. There were so many jobs that I would have to go back to. And I'm like, OK, this is my fifth time here. How do I why is this still you know breaking or why is this still failing? And so I eventually I told myself I started nosediving into instruction manuals. Um I think that's when I first found out about the you know the garage door tech Facebook pages and things like that. Yeah. And so I started, you know, relying almost on those guys like, hey, uh you guys didn't sign up for this, but you guys are now my teachers. And uh, get ready, (laughs) because I have a lot of questions.
1: I'm posting every day.
2: Yes, I mean, I I was. I was posting. I was messaging random dudes that I didn't even know. And then next thing you know, it evolved into, I mean, some of the guys, I've been to their homes now and you know, met them in uh, Louisville. I met them in Vegas. And it's just crazy how it's formed and almost like a family thing. But um, after we uh, separated from that that franchise, uh, was born Furry Overhead Door Company and uh obviously i wanted to use my last name uh i feel if you if you tag your last name on something or your name in general uh pushes you a little bit further to do that extra call yes. you know because 100%. that's the last thing you want is people going you know furry overhead door sucks or they broke my stuff yeah. you know it's the last thing you want so it, it makes you push that much harder to to have it's the catchy
1: the name is catchy
2: we uh you did a good job
1: with the logo i think like it and like your truck, the branding, like, I feel like you did a good job.
2: Yeah. And so uh, my, my uncle actually designed, like he hand wrote that furry logo and they had that on their, uh, their trucking company back in like the eighties. And they still, I mean, there's still uh, a couple of semis across parking lot that have that logo on it. Um, that's so crazy. I, I knew he was going to be retiring soon and I really wanted to keep that logo alive. It was, it's one of my favorite things ever growing up around semis and stuff. So, um, but yeah, we, you know, blitted the American flag in there. And uh, over the course of, we'll be six, little under six and a half years now, it was August of 17, um, we have 10 times expanded and um, grown. I mean, as, a, as, as service professionals, as a business owner, uh, everything you can name it, you know it's weird to think about that being a business owner and the things I learned here, I'm able to take home and implement as a father and a husband and, you know, uh, you know, a son of Christ. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy.
1: Leadership, leadership. All right. Uh, What strategies did you implement to achieve such, to achieve such rapid success and growth in a competitive market like this?
2: I wish I knew that answer. I don't know. Um, I think I have said this to you. I know I said it to Tamra numerous times. Uh, Blake Furry has been winging it since 2017 and <laughs> there's still certain things that I, that I'm doing that I am, I'm kind of winging it. Um, I think my market is uh, we talked about this on our shout out GDU, obviously on our GDU meeting yesterday that our market is kind of odd because we're so close to the manufacturing plant. And there's no big metropolitan areas other than so Chicago's three hours north, St. Louis is two and a half, <coughs> Indianapolis is two and a half um, east. And so the biggest populated area is my my home base, more or less, of only like 180,000 people. And there's four or five other companies that are now left. When I first started, there was 15. And so I think wow. the the young the young drive and being willing to you know, every person has an iPad, you know, we have headshots that uh, every customer gets when we dispatch, they see who's coming. Uh, We have a little message with that dispatch, you know, staying with the, basically staying away from the old school style of the handwritten receipts and, oh yeah, we're just a a repair guy, has really helped us, um, you know, boom so fast in our market. And being transparent and honest up front, you know, a lot of people get scared whenever they have to have a repairman come out because they think of your average, you know, oh, he's coming here to try and sell me something I don't need because I don't know what I'm talking about. And so when we yeah. go there, we show them, we explain them. You know, one of the things that I learned at Summit, you know, uh, put put the broken piece in their hand, make them feel their broken yes. equipment. And now 100%. they say, yeah, so it's things like that that we do. We don't just say, you got to replace this or repair this. You know, we want them right. to feel comfortable with their purchase um and we we don't do any kind of work until we tell them, "Hey, this is what it's going to cost you." If you're not comfortable with it, I understand, you know. Um obviously we do a little more sales than that, but Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But you know, if they're not comfortable with it, I get it. Uh I tell people all the time, uh it's your money. I can't pull it out of your pocket. If I do, I'm probably going to go to jail.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So you're growing fast. You got your name on the trucks. You don't want to ruin your name and reputation. How do you? How are you able to maintain excellent quality while also growing really fast? Has that been a challenge for you, or is that something that you're trying to figure out?
2: It was a challenge in the beginning, um, just because we were so overwhelmed. It was for the first two and a half years, almost three years. It was me and one other guy, and that was it. And now we're up to me and I've got between here and Alabama, I've got five, five guys on the road. And so now we're able to spend a little bit more time, um, you know, in the garages and I didn't know anything about training. I didn't know where to go for training, um, for anything. You know, I didn't even know the ID IDA was a thing or the it was a thing back then. And so now when I hire people, we let them ride with our guys for a couple months, make sure they're a good fit, get them comfortable. And we will either send them to Mount uh, overhead training or Mount onsite training, um, or we send them down to you guys. You know, for the sales training as well as uh, the other trainings you guys offer. So that's what been- have been
1: what's been the impact? Like, what what was the number one thing that helped your business from sending them to Mount onsite training, and what was the number one thing that impacted your business when they came back from my sales training?
2: Um. So my my third guy. Yeah, it would be my third guy I hired, Justin. So he he was working for um, the university here locally and had some maintenance um, experience, you know, general hand tools. And we taught him everything that we possibly could. And he's just, you know, came to me one day and said, Blake, there's just certain things I don't feel like I know well enough. I, I'm really doubting myself when I'm, you know, in a garage. And so when I sent him to mount on site, he came back and it was just, you know, you could see the light bulb walking around over his head. He just he got it he understood it sales doubled he was comfortable knowing what he was talking about Um, so that's what really helped with all of my guys since i've sent them to mount um, understanding how a door works you know from top to bottom Um, i sent sawyer and austin to you in atlanta for the sales and i mean after the after the first day i mean they called me blake we're doing things you know aspect we're doing things backwards And, uh, you know, I was like, what are you talking about? And just the way you explained it to them, I think you've explained to me as well, but they were able to hear it and translate it in a different way than I did. And so it's like we all got together and took the same information, told it to each other three different ways. And we've implemented probably nine different sales techniques, uh, procedures, you know, daily daily things that we do. We now have a Tuesday meeting. We get together no matter what Tuesday mornings and collaborate about what we're doing this week, what we did last week, uh, where we failed last week, where we're going to win this week. And so, you know, it was just, it was a huge change of attitude and mindset once they left. It's
1: awesome. Thank you for the feedback. I think that's awesome. I know David would thank you as well. Uh, He's got a phenomenal program. The combination of the technical and the sales and customer service that I teach is. Like if you get both of those, I think it's a home run, especially for newer people in our industry. All right. So shifting a little bit to like leadership philosophy. As an entrepreneur, what's the approach to leadership? Your uh your approach to leadership and like team building?
2: Um
1: to the team your situation's build- unique though, right? Because don't you know like almost all of your employees from outside of work? Like yep. you hired a bunch of friends and family.
2: Every single one of them. So my newest guy, Brennan, um, I, I we went to school together. He was uh, a freshman when I was a senior. You know, so there was an age gap. I didn't really, I knew of him. But uh, yeah, every single person I've hired is either uh, very close friends or family. And I know people always say, don't hire friends and family, but it's worked out nothing but the best for me. And I feel like when I, when I offer them a position, I, you know, am portraying it as I will pay you well. If you show up, you work hard, willing to learn. Uh, we like to have a lot of fun. I, I'm very easygoing when it gives, you know, time off and things like that. So I think the leadership standpoint is they, they still look at me as a friend, but I did make it very clear. The minute you step in this building and until you get, you know, you leave to drive home, I am your boss. I'm going to be a friendly boss, but I am your boss you know so they they understand that there are rules and limitations to uh how things operate around here uh no one person gets more of a leeway or advantage than the other does because one of them is my sister-in-law's brother and so it's like you know i he he knew coming in this like okay we're kind of like family but i told him that's just because you're family to me doesn't mean i'm going to treat you any different than i'm going to treat if i pull a random guy off the street
1: that's got to be tough though because i know it's been hard for me like hiring and firing friends and family like i i commonly joke i fired my mom and my wife but um the standard has got to be the same like yeah. and i'm able to like still love the people that used to work here but you can tell they hate me now you know what i'm saying like yeah that bridge is burned like and they all got let go because they did they didn't do what they said they were going to do, but because it's of their actions. But their actions, right? So, like, it's funny how that works out. But right, I've been I've been just,
2: I don't know if you know. Obviously, I think I'm doing something right over the six and a half years. I've never I've only had one person. I've never fired anybody, and I've never had anybody quit. Um, I did have a guy. I guess I should say quit, not on bad terms, not because he didn't like the job. He just got offered a better position. And I tell my guys all the time about once a month, hey, um, you know, everything going well. And I remind them, if you ever get a opportunity or someone offers you a job somewhere else, I don't want to see you go talk to me first if it's about money or something. But if it's just something that's truly going to better your life, I'm not going to be upset by you taking that. As long as you give me the courtesy heads up um, that you are interested in probably going to take it, give me time to at least fill your spot. But that, in my eyes, is if I've done that to, to train them on the personality side, in the job ethic, work ethic side, and the skill side, to take a better paying position or higher position somewhere, then that I, I've done my job. I don't yeah. remember who said it, I, but I remember reading it somewhere that if you're not training every single one of your employees to the point to where they could open up their own business and compete against you, you're not doing
1: enough. Yeah. A lot of people are scared of that, though, bro yeah you know a lot of people are scared that they're going to train their people and then they leave them and so i think that's why like it's demotivating for some business owners but i agree with you like i can't tell you how many people have left here and started their own company it's been at least four uh, that i know of one just left started his own company like two months ago right (laughs) so i mean it's like
2: damn but now uh, out of those people if i may ask like are, are they still around? Are their businesses still, are they, you know, fruitful are they, I don't know.
1: I mean, I, I check on some of them. Um, you know, like I, I, I think there's probably one that really tried to screw me bad, uh, found out he was like stealing from me and stuff. And then, um, so I don't really check on him and, and, you know, I believe genuinely, like if you start your business that way, it's not going to be successful. Yeah. So, um, You know, he may be fine now, but it's not going to last. It's just just freaking what goes around comes around. So for me, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I wish the best for all of them, dude. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. Like, who would I be if I discouraged people who had that hunger in their heart to go start their own thing? Like, I would feel like a total hypocrite, right? And I know that everything that happens can't be in my best interest.
2: You know, and I think it comes down to like, you know, you're you're only hurting yourself by not training these people to eventually do that. But if they actually do break away and, and decide to do something on their own, you have failed in some way as a leader or a boss um, because they left because their schedule wasn't flexible enough. They weren't making enough um, or they were jealous of everything, you know, the things that you had. So, you know, yeah. in a certain way, if they break away, I look at it as you didn't do enough for them in a different area.
1: Yeah. Very possible. That's true. All right. What have been the biggest uh, business challenges you faced and how did you overcome them?
2: Um, I would say hands down the biggest, uh, biggest obstacle I had was when I first started out, uh, the only manufacturer that would even relatively talk to me was Amar. <laughs> Excuse me. Battling a cold over here. Um, I started out there. D.C. was in St. Louis after just shy of a year. They closed that one up and I had to start buying out of Indianapolis. If there were certain times that we would run out of product or, you know, I needed to get a door, you know, quicker or before my delivery would come, I would have to load a flatbed up and drive to St. Louis or Indianapolis. So it was like pulling teeth trying to keep things either in stock because they were having trouble keeping stuff in stock. And then once they closed down in Indianapolis, I truly was dead in the water. I was having to buy doors from my, my competitors here locally. Um, so I, I think Scott Judah, um, shout out Scott. He's an awesome guy from GDS in Chicago. And he reached out to me because he kind of saw my frustration from these Facebook pages. And they became my main supplier for yeah. openers, parts, doors, you know, things like that. You know, being in the heart of the CHI area, they till this day. I even just had a call today. They still won't even entertain giving me a dealership. And there's a I could have another podcast for six hours to talk about that one. Um,
1: Maybe we but, should.
2: Oh, uh, I could uh, I could open you up to uh, to a lot of things on that. But yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was a good podcast. It was really upsetting to me on the on the aspect of uh, Sawyer, my first guy, his mom. Uh, just retired there after 28 years at CHI. Um, one of my parents' next door neighbors, she's the CFO. And uh, Sawyer's brother has been at CHI for like five years now. And so we had, you know, I worked there, you know, and that's like, it was and You probably
1: hard. have some sort of like passion or love for the product being that you work there with the people and everything and then yeah. not being able to like reciprocate that. That's probably yeah. frustrating.
2: I will say that I I did. I did have passion for that. Uh, company and for the people, you know, I, I, the people that work there are obviously great, but there's just so many internal, uh, I will say, politics that are hindering me from having that dealership.
0: SOMER USA and SOMER Group want to thank you for an incredible year and the trust you put in them and their products. As you know, SOMER places high value on relationships, education, customer service, innovation, and professionalism. And they are grateful to you for your part in the fostering and dissemination of these values. If there is any way SOMER can support you in your journey, whether through their products, the values they hold to, or the knowledge SOMER has gained through interaction with door dealers across the world, please reach out to the team at your convenience. They are here to serve you. Again, thank you from the entire SOMER team, Check them out at SomerUSA.com. Tell them Ryan sent you. Yeah, my today.
1: friend, I can tell you. Have you heard the story about my relationship with CHI? Uh-uh. So uh, I bought from a distributor. And uh, after many, many, many attempts at trying to get it right, uh, they got it got to the point where we decided that we were going to back away. Um, so we left. Uh, We called the rep and warned him, you know, the CHI rep, we got a hold of him. And I was like, Hey man, look, uh, I'm leaving the CHI distribution center. Just want to let you know, like we would love to buy direct, but I know that you guys don't really do new dealers. He's like, if you leave, I'll do, I'll, I'll set you up as a dealer. And I was like, yo, well, I'm already leaving. Like I put in a notice and he was like, awesome. He's like, here's the paperwork. I filled out the paperwork, got it over to him. Didn't hear back. Followed up, followed up, followed up, followed up. Nothing. Then um, I uh, I finally got a hold of him. And he said, I changed my mind. Oh, those was his words. And I was like, okay. Um, so then he, uh, so we we didn't get it set up. Then we hired a commercial guy he was friends with the rep of CHI and had sure. an account set up in 24 hours for us to sell commercial products so I was like well since we got the back end can we order a residential too i said put it in an order and we'll see if we can get it and sure enough we did so we start really? placing orders and um and then what happened was we had like a GDU or like a an event here at Aaron where we catered food and the food truck was in the back and a CHI truck happened to be back there. And I took a picture and the CHI truck was in the background and the local distributor apparently freaked out, called the route and had a fit. So he canceled my account to where I could wow. not sell, uh, sell them anymore. And then um, I like reached out to everybody there. They were like, kind of cold and heartless and then finally they set me back up so they got me set back up and they were like you know don't post anything whatever like (laughs) you just keep it on the download and and then next thing i know i got a phone call from my rep you know probably like a year later uh he comes in here he sits down he says hey bro i can't sell you anymore and not only that not only that, we need you to pay for all the doors you've ordered in full so we can process it because your account's closed and you no longer have a credit with us. Wow. Like total FU moment, right? Like, like that's like that's uh, like
2: two back to back FU moments.
1: Two back to back, like three really, but yes. And 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 when you talk like I got all the way to the CEO um and was essentially passed back down and was told there's nothing that we can do. That's the that's the
2: verbatim what I was told, you know, by the CFO, Blake. Uh, it's up to the sales guys. It's out of my hands. I go, you're the CFO, and you can't, you know, have some conversations. You know, it makes sense right. to you. Why can't you make it make sense? Well, to the sales- it makes a lot of
1: sense knowing what I know about that situation, and then all of the issues they have with like quality control. Uh, things like that. It, it's a it's a leadership issue, in my opinion. Like I think yeah. that you don't have a leader in place that's calling shots, and everyone's kind of doing their thing. Um, and so I, that's my. And if he wants to call me, he can call me. He's got my cell phone number, <laughs> in my signature. You got plenty of emails from me, bro. So yeah, happy to chat if there's an issue with what I just said. Um, all right, moving on. I won't keep doing that with CHI. No, what advice fine. would you give other entrepreneurs, especially those in home service industry who are looking to scale their business?
2: Well, I want to touch back on the, the struggles that I had. So uh, yeah. this, So uh, basically, after all that, uh, I went out to IDA in Vegas. What was it? It was it two years, I think, since two, yeah. years. Um, two years. Went out there and, you know, after I got turned down by CHI, I had called, you know, Horman. I had called Haas um called clope wayne Dalton. i mean every manufacturer i could get through to somebody i called hey this is where i'm at this is what i want to do i I need something i need somebody and i couldn't even get a phone call back and so i i regret it Crazy, bro
1: like they don't want to sell doors i don't understand why they make it so hard for dealers
2: like it, it makes no sense and so i regretted it 24 hours after i did this in vegas but i don't regret it now um Vegas got the best of me. I had some drinks. (laughs) And I I went into that conference. And I was just like a bull in a china shop. I was angry. I was angry. I was rude to some people. I apologized to the people that I was rude to and probably cursed at a few times. Um, (laughs) But I walked up to every single booth. And I said, Why won't you give me an effing chance? What have I done to you? I am a young kid. And I want I'm trying to build myself. I'm trying to better my company. I'm trying to outdo your biggest guys. What does it take for me to have an opportunity? Give me me 90 days to prove to you if I don't hit a sales goal or whatever goal you give me, then don't talk to me ever again. That's fine. But just give me something. And it was about two or three months after that, um, Taylor Neal from Haas. I mean, that's that's my homeboy right there. Um, I don't think I will ever leave Haas. They have truly changed my life. Um, They have changed my business. I am a direct dealer through them now. If any manufacturer came to me and offered me half of half pricing than what Haas is giving me, I think I would still order everything that I could through Haas. Um, so to those people that are going through what I'm going through, the newer guys that they can't get you know a dealership opened up, don't don't lose hope just because someone's told you no. Um, you know, i took I took a lot of nose to the chin for six and a half years or about six years or so. And I finally got that one breakthrough and all it takes is one. It takes one person to take a chance and an opportunity on you to truly change your business and your life more or less. Um, So I'll second that with Halls
1: too. Like they're pretty picky also about getting people in the door um, and bringing you on. But I will say that if you can get on with them, they're a phenomenally run company, quality control, great leadership, like, uh they're well organized who so, haas
2: oh yes and actually i just got um i got one of my buddies in uh i think you guys had a conversation with him about your uh about marketing uh same jared in iowa i just got him hooked up and he's now a Haas dealer as well too and he called me oh, basically in tears man this is going to change my life and yeah, so again shout out haas those are my people that's uh, awesome. I Good think they to a Bengals game next year as well, too. So we're, we're crossing fingers on that. <laughs> that is awesome.
1: All right. Uh, back to my question. What advice would you give other entrepreneurs, especially those in the home service industry,
2: who are looking to scale their business up? Um, any people, so even not in the home industry, I have people message me, you know, locally that are opening a business here or there or, you know, wanting to do something. What's the number one thing I tell people is if you're going to do it, do it with two feet in, you cannot put one foot in and have one foot elsewhere as a safety net or a safeguard. It is the most terrifying jump you will ever do, but you have to do it. If you are passionate enough about it, know that you can produce a quality, quality product, whatever it may be. Um, If you know that you can answer a phone and you can communicate well, um, it's the best thing that you'll ever do. Uh, One thing I've taken from selling cars was I had a manager that told me uh, I was, I was having a hard time, you know, uh, I'd sell a car and then I'd be bad about the follow up process. Even though I would tell them, he said, Blake, do it. Because you said you would, no matter what it is, if you said that you would do it, do it. And so anybody out there, if you tell a customer, I'll be back tomorrow to finish X, Y, Z, I will get you a quote within 48 hours. I will I will send you a birthday. Whatever you promised or you told them you would do, just do it. That is probably my biggest piece of advice is follow through and do it. It's
1: good. It's real good. I agree with that. Um, all right, future plans. Looking ahead, what are the future plans for Furry Doors? And are there any exciting projects or expansions on the horizon? I mean, bro, you're already multi-state.
2: That's another scary thing that I'm still trying to to hone in on and uh, tame this wild Mustang is, um, for those that don't know, I decided to open up a second branch 12 hours away from me in (laughs) southern Alabama. And uh, the reason for that is my wife has family from there that was complaining that any kind of home service you need, you had to call a company over an hour away and they charge you drive time and they charge ridiculous prices. And so I basically just took that leap of faith and opened up down there. And uh, it is still going a little slower than I I would like it to be. But um, over the last month, me and my guy down there, we have had a lot of strong, passionate, you know a uh, couple crying conversation heart to hearts and got him refocused he almost felt like he was uh kind of fed to the wolves and that is 100% my fault um but my future goals uh yes i do intend within the next 10 years to have another uh, i would like to have two uh, more locations uh so it'd be multi 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 state okay. would be my goal um Dang.
1: i Don't. Everybody's got to watch out. So they're <laughs> like, uh, "Furry's coming."
2: Furry, furry is coming. We are coming strong. Um, furry is coming, and we are going to do the things that you guys are saying that you're going to do, but you're not doing. Because wow. whenever I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. You know, that's that's
1: one,
2: <laughs> that's one thing that I uh, I take wholeheartedly, man. Um, I like it. You know, I don't have any that's huge good. projects right now. Um, I had a huge one I had a about a six hundred thousand dollar project that uh, I regrettably a little regrettably I actually deleted the estimate and I did not put my my bid on um, on this project because there were so many things on the back end that I didn't know for it was a, it was a public job and I didn't know enough of the paperwork and there were uh, you know material bonds and bid bonds and I just I didn't know any of that stuff, and all it took was for one thing to go wrong, and they got to keep like a twenty eight thousand dollars bid bond check from me, and it's like pff, mm. just gone in the air. So yeah. that was one thing that I am uh, I've been actively learning on since that since I deleted that quote. I have been reading at least for an hour a day on how to get better at those. Um, nice. Um, all right, shifting put, gears, bro. I'm going to shift right. gears.
1: Running a fast growing company is demanding. How do you manage your work-life uh, expectations with your family?
2: Uh, it's day to day. Might get a little emotional here. I am. I'm not good at it. Um, my my. The one thing that my wife loves about me is how passionate I am about what I do for a living, and passionate about my company and my customers you know, she knows how passionate I am about my children and being a husband to her. And there's times that I have a hard time putting the phone down when I get home or not being on an email whenever I'm at home. And so I've been getting better, but I'm not to where I want to be on that full separation. Because I'm sure as you know, you know, there was a point in time before you had certain people in place to uh, take a phone call after hours or, Um, answer a question or an email for you whenever you were on vacation you know and that's where i'm slowly getting to and i'm making it a principle that on sundays though i will say this sundays are you know they're my family day they're my god day and my football day right now so um, (laughs) i will if someone calls me i will shoot a quick text back is it a 911 or can it wait till monday if they say it's a 911 i say call this phone number right here this is my office phone number and she will take care of you that's about nice. the only thing you will see me do on work um but yeah it's it, it's hard especially as fast as we're growing as demanding as this industry is um you know i don't want to ever put a customer off uh, especially it's hard whenever we have some some bigger contracts or uh, we manage I think we manage twelve property uh, management companies, all of their parking garages on U of I campus, and so when they call, um, we have to get there because they pay they pay for uh, very high end service and quality from us, and so those are the ones that it's hard because I'll get calls at three in the morning. You know, the owners feel like they have to call me, even though they have my office phone number. They want me showing up there, yeah. and so it's 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 hard. Definitely, definitely. I put hard. my
1: personal cell phone number on my business cards. And as much as I love the idea of that, it's uh, it's probably not the best decision ever made. So I understand now when people whip out two phones out of their pockets. Yeah. Um, all right. I've so got- real quick, moving on, because I I I'm I'm, t- I'm freaking trying hard to hit this twelve forty five. Uh. Well, I mean, so I mean we got that's like-
2: an easy twenty bucks we could each be making from Tamra. So yeah. Gotta- yeah. Yeah. Have- <laughs> all right. Mistakes.
1: Can you share a significant mistake you made in your entrepreneurial journey? and what you learned from it
2: not getting out of the field soon enough Mm. it was not until this year that um it was actually right after sawyer left uh atlanta left your your sales thing and he kind of one of my employees yelled at me and said you're not being the boss that i know you can be and i not regret i immersed i cried i cried like a baby it made me feel terrible but After that day, I blocked my entire schedule for the next 10 years on my house call pro. It's basically an indefinite schedule blockage. Um, I got out of the field. I got in the office. I started focusing on uh, building my employees up, um, searching for ways to better their, you know, make their job easier, uh, finding new customers. We've picked up like 14 contracts with factories since then. Um, I'm, I'm working on my business, not in it, you know. There's yep. been so many things from our GDU meetings in the summit and just being around you guys that has helped me so much um, to, to grow this, this company. It is absolutely insane. So that is hands down. Uh, the best thing I ever did was get out of the field. You know, you have to work in it for a long time to build it, yep. but eventually you have to, you have to learn where you're being, if you come home and you're stressed because you didn't have enough time to put out quotes that you needed to get put out or to do payroll or do things like that. You need to hire someone to do that or do you need to get your butt out of the field and you need to start doing that day in and day out Monday through Friday. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
1: You kind of just said it. Um, I got three total questions left. How important is networking with the home service industry and how has it impacted your business?
2: Um, Absolutely huge. Um, I have learned so many things from networking with different door guys, different owners, um, even just employees, you know, across the nation. Um, I've actually received jobs from other guys that I've, you know, never even met face to face just off these, these networking groups. And I've actually given jobs. I just gave two car washes to Matt Weber. Um, you know, I basically said, use this guy. He This is my dude up in Montana, use him. And they reached out to him and I don't know if they've closed on things, but you know, that's how big networking is for me. um, That's awesome.
1: Um, all right. Customer stories. Do you have any memorable customer stories that have impacted the way you do business?
2: I'm sure there is, and I'm trying to think of one. Um, I've, I, I've, I'm have sure I've had some in the past, but I just had one recently at my Alabama. Um, it showed me that I uh, needed to keep expanding in my Alabama. We had a guy that called in, wanted a quote, and apparently he had got uh, called three or four of the companies that never returned a phone call or never got him the estimate, talked to my guy, uh, promised a quote within 48 hours. And, you know, he dropped the ball cause he was he's still out in the field and was doing what I did in the beginning. He just, he can't manage all of it at once. And so, uh, we got a one-star review and basically said that we were the world's effing shittiest business, you know, out there. And that really hit me. And it's like no one ever in the face of, you know, in the, in the almost seven years of this, has ever said that to me. And so I have failed my, I've failed my company in a sense that made that happen because I didn't get him the help that he needed, whether he asked for it or not, or told me that he needed it. I haven't been paying attention. Um, So that was a huge customer interaction that I personally didn't have that interaction, but it still revolves and comes back to me.
1: Yeah. All right, last question. If Furry Door were to be the official garage door company of any event, company, or personality in the world, who would it be and why? Hmm.
2: Company, person, event, event. Could it be the Bengals? And see, I'm not even a Bengals fan. I got two guys that are. Oh, that's sorry. like. Um. Because
1: you seem <laughs> pretty passionate about that.
2: I would probably say that uh if, if I could be the face of it, it would be the, and I, I don't know if there's a specific group for this, but I would like to be the face of uh, helping veterans out, whether it be getting them homes, getting them, you know, the help that they need after they come home, you know, buying them a dog, whatever. Um, because as I've explained to you guys, we sell used doors. And this year we've been able to donate, donate close to $5,000 from selling used doors on Facebook. And I originally started out, I was paired up with the Veterans Coalition here. And we would donate money monthly to them uh, to help them, uh, you know, get veterans the things that they need, um, whether it be life essentials or help pay a light bill one month. We offered them anytime someone would, you know, it was rare, need a new garage door or a door fixed. We would not charge them. We would take a used door. We would put it in for free, you know, lifetime guarantee on everything. If something broke, you call us, we fix it. We don't charge you. Uh,
1: so great,
2: that man. would be the, that would be the one thing I think I be, uh, I would love to do and kind of am doing because I can't, we can't give enough back to those people that sacrifice for us.
1: That's awesome. I think that's an incredible answer way better than I anticipated. And with that, we literally are 45 minutes because we got started two minutes late. So it still owes us 20 bucks. Also, I want to announce this podcast was brought to you by chat GPT. I got all my questions off of chat GPT for the very first time. In case you guys didn't notice, I was not winging it. I literally asked ChatGPT what I should ask Blake Furry with Furry overhead door on my podcast. All these questions came from
2: ChatGPT. What do you think about that? I use, I dude, I have uh, sent out multiple emails. That's how we picked up six factories. Is because ChatGPT. Oh, that was great, <laughs> freaking great.
1: All right, thank you guys for following along. Thanks, Blake, for joining the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure you like Blake on Facebook. He's freaking awesome. Super great guy. Uh, love being around him. Love his energy. He's always super positive. Um, humble, as you can tell, and uh, and giving. So no doubt that's the recipe for success. So keep doing what you're doing and never forget the things that you're doing now when you get to be like in all 52 or how many ever states we got. all right, Whenever I
2: come to Buford.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, you, let's join forces, bro. Let's merge.
2: When you want to all sell right. to me? Let's do it. <laughs> Ryan, thank Thank you you guys Um, for following
1: along Aaron Overhead Doors and and, uh, Furry Door is going to be merging in 2024 to make the best East Coast door company ever and we will be launching in the West
2: Coast in 2025. Make Garage Doors great again, baby. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it, man. See ya!